Welcome to episode 43 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoy the content, it would be a big-time help. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, everybody. As of Monday, November 29th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs are absolutely on (laughs) fire. They are in first place in the Atlantic Division. They are 14-2-0 over their last 16 games. They have won a franchise record, or I should say have tied the franchise record with their seventh straight win on the road. This team looks incredible right now. We are going to go over the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that happened with this team, as well as some conversations about some other teams around the National Hockey League. But before we get to all that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well, Anthony Bruno. It's a Monday morning, so usually it's doom and gloom. But heck, the Leafs just keep on rolling, so why not have a smile on your face? Episode 43. This one's an easy one. Shout-out goes to Nazem Qadri. Lot of, lot to talk about uh, regarding the, uh, the time Naz uh, had in Toronto. There's some debate, some positive, some negative. Uh, I think it would be a great book one day. To be honest, going back to how he was drafted, the expectations, things he said in the media, what happened towards the end of his time in Toronto. But I think most fans of the Leafs would be on the same page saying they were happy to have Nas as a member of the blue and white. Moving forward, for our loyal fans, you have one more week to enter the Mitch Marner jersey giveaway. For those of you who haven't already heard, we are giving away an Adidas authentic Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I almost said Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner jersey. Uh, if you want to enter the contest, you must do the following. Like this video, subscribe to the channel, and comment down below with your Instagram handle, where you're from, and if you were the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs for one game, who would you put as Mitch Marner's line mates and why? Love it, Lapore. First of all, I'm an Azam Kadri guy. Yeah. I, I loved him as a Leaf. And I know there was the suspensions in the playoffs, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But that guy gave it his all every time he was on the ice. Yeah. He wasn't a big guy, but loved throwing his weight around. So I'm definitely a Kadri guy, and I'm happy that he's doing really well right now with the Colorado Avalanche. But like yeah. you said, man, this is the last chance to enter the Mitch Marner jersey giveaway like lapore said in order to enter the giveaway you must like this video subscribe to the channel and then in the comment section down below leave your instagram handle tell us where you're from and if you were head coach of the maple leafs who would be mitch marner's two ideal line mates and why we will be giving away this jersey on the next episode of the gfp podcast so get those entries in immediately all right let's move on to some hockey talk now, Michael Lepore. We're going to have a great time. 
What a week it was in California. The Leafs just blowing through California, sweeping the California road trip. Let's briefly go over the week that was for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they started things off Wednesday night in L.A. against the Kings, picking up a 6-2 victory. Uh, Michael Bunting reunited with Matthews and Marner on the first line. We had seen Bunting shuffle down the lineup. He was playing on the fourth line at one point, but... During this game, we saw those three reunited. There was some other, you know, mixing going on throughout the lineup with Nick Ritchie on the third line with Camp and Kasha. Engvall got moved down to the fourth line. Uh, Dermott was a healthy scratch in this game, but six goals from six different players in this game. You always love to see that. Um, The only guy who didn't score was Nick Ritchie, and he had like four glorious scoring chances against L.A., I don't know when this guy's ever going to score a goal, but yeah, another one late last night too. Kind of oh when the game goodness. was over, even then, even if the even the game was over, but it still would have been nice for one to go in for him. But nope, no yeah, chance. He, he's got to find a way to get the monkey <sighs> off his back. But another story from this game, Laporte, Mississauga, Ontario native and former Leafs defense prospect <laughs> Sean Dursey yeah. made his uh, NHL debut and had two points against the Leafs because, of course. Yeah, and I'm sure the the Kings knew exactly what they were doing, putting him in the lineup against the Toronto Maple Leafs because it's an easy call. You knew he was going to produce. Oh, yeah, it was it was the lock of the century that that Dursey was going to have a couple of points. So, yeah, that was that was obviously a great way to start the week. And then on Friday, the Leafs were in San Jose to take on the Sharks, picking up a 4-1 victory. Uh, the big note from this game, Travis Dermott was a healthy scratch for the fourth straight game. And Andre Kasha was held out of the game with an upper body injury. Joseph Wall got his third of the start of the season and picked up his third win, making 34 saves. He's been really good. And once again, Lepore, four goals from four different players. So the Leafs are getting scoring throughout the entire lineup. And then closing out the week, Sunday night against the Anaheim Ducks, the Leafs picking up a 5-1 to win. Dermott. Finally came back into the lineup after missing four games as a healthy scratch. Timothy Lilligren was the odd man out. Andre Kasha was out for a second straight game with an upper body injury, but it didn't matter one bit. Jason Spezza playing in his 1200th game in the NHL. That was great to see. And Laporte, once again, the Leafs, five goals from five different players. So everyone was contributing during this road trip. They sweep California. I'm going to throw it over to you now. We can go back to the Kings game. Sure. Take us through it. Give me your thoughts on the weekend. Okay. Well, first things first, I have a big bone to pick with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, as you guys can see over my shoulder, I am a big fan of number 99, Wayne Gretzky. And seeing Wayne Gretzky in those, uh, in those beautiful white LA Kings jerseys from the 90s was glorious. What a jersey. Why on earth would they ruin it with a silver helmet? Those helmets are awful. Unbelievable. And why is it this trend in the National Hockey League now? Like even the Knights one, it it doesn't look good. Like with the contrast and I don't know. Actually, one I did think it might look decent on was actually the Sens. The Sens have that red third or even with their blacks because like they have gold in their logo and it might blend well, but... Man, with the the LA ones and the Vegas ones, like these this, these shiny helmets, like I don't know what they're thinking with those. But 
Yeah, yeah they, they got to go. I'm not a fan either. I was actually actually wondering what your take on those were because I know <sighs> you're a jersey snob and an equipment snob. So can, can someone tell me out there, like, I can see even people being indifferent about it. Who sees that and is like, that's awesome. I, I, I've, I haven't heard that take. I didn't see that take on Twitter. I don't know. I, I just think it's lame. And it, to me, it's trying too hard. But anyways, let's get to the actual game. Um, like you said, man, the Leafs just getting scoring from everywhere, blowing through California. The Leafs scored early. It was uh, my wife's favorite player, Alexander Kerfoot, Harvard boy with the backhand after uh, a great pass from Kasha. And uh, Campbell had a great period, kept the uh, the Leafs up by one going into the second. Leafs uh, had 15 shots in the first final shot count was 15 to 10. Moving on to the second period, it's our boy, Dursey, with the shot from the point. I don't know if Arvidsson meant to tip it or it just kind of went off him, but he gave it one hell of a sally. So game tied at one. But only two minutes later, when the Leafs need a hero, they got one. The Wayne train. What a move by Wayne Simmons to drag the puck back, feed it over to Engvall for the empty cage. Two to one Leafs. He looks good, man. Wayne Simmons. Simmons, Simmons looks like happy and confident and like exciting he's got energy man like we're sitting we've said on the show how like he just wasn't producing earlier in the year but things are going in for him lately he picked up a great assist there he just man, like you said man he looks awesome uh jt kept it going off a tip from a, a willie shot came right off the face off so three to one leafs uh austin matthews scored the next one to make it four to one kind of a garbage goal as far as matthews is concerned um we're used to him you know being in the slot firing wrist shots bar down but he'll take them how he can and like i'll make that point about matthews like i'd like to go over his goals for the season i feel like they haven't been typical austin matthews goals just kind of like scoring different ways like i mean he, he scores a lot of goals from tips but it's like a lot of tips a lot of plays in front but yeah, not a lot of like typical Matthews, like just wiring a wrist shot from like the top of the circle or yeah. a nice one timer he's scoring in, but that's the beauty of Matthews. He can score in so many different ways. And once those typical Matthews goals start going in, then maybe mm. we're going to see the Matthews goal scoring of last season finally yeah. come back. Exactly. When those shots actually start finding the twine. Uh, it was only two minutes later with Jason Spezza, everyone's favorite player with an absolute bomb. That one came on the power play. So the Leafs go into the third period, leading five goals to one. Um, there was an early goal uh, after Sandine was robbed. Bunting kind of awkwardly got the rebound. It went off the post, went off to no and in. And all Leafs fans were allowed to smile at a at a puck going off to no one in after what happened against the Montreal Canadiens last year in the playoffs. So Leafs lead 6-1 at that point. There was a late goal from Dursey, and it was a hell of a shot. Like, compliments to the kid. Like, he came in off the point, like, rifled that from the slot for his first in the NHL. Good for him. Final score, 6-2 in favor of the Buds, and the shots, 38-32 in favor of the Leafs. And Money Puck had the Leafs winning this game after 500 simulations, 55% of the time. So another solid performance from the Buds with regard to controlling the play. Great way to start the California road trip. My favorite thing from this game, Lapore, and I don't know if you saw this circulating on social media, specifically on Twitter, okay. was the um, they were showing like the sound bites of Matthews oh, on yeah, the ice yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when he scored his goal. And he's like, 
I love you guys. And then I love Spezza, you, John. Yeah, Spezza yeah, yeah. rifles home his goal. And he was like, oh, his reaction on the bench was amazing. And he was telling Spezza how sick it was. It was just, it was so good to see, to get like an inside look yeah. at just, you know, just the guys like communicating on the ice, selling together. So that was nice to see. And it just seems like this team is a very tight knit group at the moment. And things are going really well, man. When you're winning games and you're dominating teams and you're only allowing one or two goals a game every night, I mean, it's going to be smiles all around. Exactly. Exactly. When you're winning games, everyone's in a good mood. But to your point, yeah, like I hate to use the cheesy word, uh, culture, but it seems like the culture right now in Leafland is a good one. Like they're happy, they're positive, walking with a straw. And again, it's easy when you're winning, but I mean, if it's because they're winning or whatever, it doesn't really matter. They are winning and they look to be having a good time. So no complaints. I, I will say like, and people can call me a fanboy for this one. So I went to the Leafs preseason game versus the Sens uh, earlier this year. And I was sitting just to the left of the Leafs bench. And I got to say, it was very clear that the goal of the coaching staff is to always create like a positive atmosphere, like positive reinforcement. Like there was a lot of like positive yelling, like fist pumps, like a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs. And I don't think that's an accident. Like people play better. Athletes play better when they're happy. And this research happens now with what motivates people. Like, you know, back when we grew up, it was like fear and whatever. And, you know, coaches like that yelling co- at us all the, the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you don't get your water break if you don't skate hard enough, like stuff like that. Whereas now like the research shows, no, it's positive reinforcement. So it was clear that was the goal of the coaching staff. And it just, it's showing like, like with this team that there's a lot of positivity, everyone looks happy and they're rolling, man. They're rolling. Yeah, it's so good to see when the team is playing with this much confidence and when they're this happy because you go back to earlier in the season, you know, they lose that game 7-1 to Pittsburgh and, you know, you felt like the 18-wheeler was going to fall off the cliff again. It was just complete negativity across the board from Leafs fans, from Toronto media. It was bad. And since saving their season, Lepore, against the Chicago Blackhawks, and we talked about this, as dramatic as that seemed at the time to say, yeah, they really did save their season in that moment because who knows what changes would have been made if they had lost to that Blackhawks team, which was going through a ton of crap at the time. And since then, Lepore, since October 27th, the Leafs are the best team in the NHL, 14-2-0 yeah. since October 27th. So... It went from, oh my God, Sheldon Keith might be gone. Who knows yeah, what's going to happen with Dubas and even Shanahan to yeah. now the Leafs sitting at 16, six and one, first place in the Atlantic division, the hottest team in the league over the last 16 games. They have the best of, they have the best defensive numbers just in terms of goals against per game over that 16 game stretch, allowing 1.63 goals a game. Like, what a turnaround, man. It's It's been ins- I know. unbelievable to watch. I know. On this four-game road trip, going back to the Islanders game, they haven't trailed. Like, it's, it's getting kind of bananas, like how well things are going for them. But, yeah, like, I, I'll say it this way, and I'd like to get your take on this. The style they're playing 
it's, I don't want to call it safe. Like I feel like it's more conservative than years past. Cause they just know like with our talent, we will get goals. So like, let's focus on the defensive play. This style that I'm watching is kind of what I expected from when Babcock was coaching. Like, this is kind of what I thought like he was going to build like those team Canada teams and they're obviously like juggernaut teams, but just like solid, like, like a machine just going through, like you get that two goal lead, shut it down. It might be boring, but you just hum along. And Babs was never able to achieve that, but it seems like right now everyone's dialed in and, and whatever the system put together by the coaching staff, the team is bought in. Like that's not a hundred percent buy in across the board. And yeah. I think what you're seeing now is the culmination of everything that not only Mike Babcock, but obviously Sheldon Keefe hope that this team would be just in terms of the way they're playing right now, because you go back to when Keefe took over the season, Babcock got fired 23 games in the Leafs had only won nine of the first 23 Keefe comes in and he immediately made them better across the board in terms of goal scoring, defensive numbers, all of that. But now I think everything is finally culminating and they're playing the exact way Sheldon Keefe envisioned this team to play, where they constantly have the puck. And not only do they constantly have the puck and they're creating scoring chances, but it's like you said, now when they have a a two-goal lead or a three-goal lead, it's over. It's over. This is not the leaps of the past where you're like, oh my God, they have a 3-1 lead. They're going to find a way to blow it. This is going to go to overtime. You're going to end up a 4-3 game. No, now it's like complete confidence that the game is over. Yeah. Done. 100%. Time for a quick break for a word about my bookie. The fastest way to place your bets and get paid at my bookie is with crypto. Nobody knows when your funds will double. But what we do know is when you bet with crypto at my bookie, you double your first deposit when you use our promo code GFP. At MyBookie, you could choose from several different crypto options, including Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ripple. And not only will you double your first deposit, but you'll instantly be entered into their crypto reward program. MyBookie is the only sportsbook offering a crypto rewards program, plus bonuses on every crypto deposit you make and free entries into their amazing contests for all crypto players. Withdrawing crypto is easy, free, and it's the fastest way to get paid so you can collect all your winnings with ease. Modern sports betting needs modern currency, and that's why we take our action to MyBookie. Remember to use our promo code GFP when you make your first deposit with MyBookie so you can redeem your double deposit bonus and start winning with crypto today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Ho, 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 gentlemen. The holidays came early at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore, these products are awesome. Bruno, these products are awesome. And what I love about Manscaped is they've got you fully covered. You have the Lawnmower 4.0, you have the ball deodorant, you have the ball spray. As you mentioned, I'll hold them up again. You have the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. You have the body wash. And when you're all done grooming yourself and you're feeling good, you can put on these amazing Manscaped underwear. Head to toe, Manscaped has you covered. 
you said it, Lepore, so many awesome products. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you got to head to Manscaped and pick up a lot of these products for you or the man in your life who needs them. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code GFP20. Anyway, Lepore, let's uh, let's move on to the next game. San Jose. Yeah, moving on in California, LA and San Jose. I've always said, man, like, it must be done all the time that people just, especially, I mean, like Leafs fans, Canadian fans, Bruins fans, big fan bases, they must just do the trip. There must be like loads of fans that just, you know, get on the flight to California and do three games because these rinks are so close. These these uh, these cities are so close to be an absolute blast. And you get to see your team play three row games in three different arenas in like five days or four days. So, yeah. So continuing first shift and I'll get your take on this one, Bruno. First shift, it was John Tavares with that dummy in between his legs to Nylander who deep to the backhand and scored. I'm going to ask you, Anthony Bruno, I'm going to ask you, and this is kind of sacrilegious, I think, for a Leafs fan to ask this question. Did John Tavares mean to do that? That's a really good question. And here's what I'm going to say, Lepore. All right. I'm going to say, yes, he did mean to do it. Okay. And I'm not just saying that and trying to be a Leafs fanboy or anything, but the way John Tavares is playing right now, this is a man on a mission. He leads the team in scoring with 22 points in 22 games. He's confident. He's feeling it right now. I think he meant to do that, Lepore. Yeah. Even though it was kind of 50-50, like, eh, I'm not sure JT totally meant that, but I'm going to go with that was a great play from JT. I'm usually, I'm usually the first one to say, because people will, you know, a player makes a great play, and it's, oh, did he mean to do that? And my brain will always kind of go to the player and say, like, for example, if Crosby or McDavid does something, and people are questioning, I'm like, I'll give, I'll always say, I don't think it was a coincidence that Crosby did that or Ovechkin did that. Um, so in this case, it's John Tavares, but I'm going to disagree with my typical take. I don't think he meant to do it. Okay. I don't think he, like, I think either he was trying to get possession of the fuck because he did get a little piece of it. Like, I don't know. Like, I think maybe he tried to tip it to Willie or maybe he was trying to possess it, but there's also the thing you had to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. So if it was an accident, that that holds uh, that holds firm either way one nothing buds very quickly soon after Benino 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 with the goal goal on wall and this one made me nervous because yeah I thought it was a bad one like from the right along the ice I think just beat him five hole like not not a good looking goal so one one and the Leafs are in a game but uh soon after he was like literally I think they were they were still announcing the goal when Simmons tipped a shot in and uh, to put the Leafs up, uh, up two to one. Yeah. 32 seconds after that goal. Awesome. And then actually like wall to his credit did settle down and like he made, made some big saves to keep the Leafs up by one going into the, uh, into the second period. Um, in the second period, there was only one goal in that period. It, uh, it came from Matthews. I'm sorry. There was two goals in that period. The first one came from Matthews. And again, like these things he does, like you see him on the left side and he points to, I think it was with Sandine with the puck saying, give it to the other point. And as soon as it went over, Matthews went to the net. He banged it in three to one Leafs. Uh, that second goal in the period came from JT on the power play. We, we, we say like Matthews typical goal is like bar down. 
uh, J, uh, JT's typical goal is just like, I'm going to will <laughs> will myself into a position where I'm in a bang and crash in a goal. And that's exactly what it was, what it was. Like I said, power play goal, four to one Leafs. Now I will say, here's like a talking point. So in that period, Kerfoot missed a breakaway. He actually made a pretty sick move, like kind of slammed on the brakes deep to the forehand, but couldn't tuck it in. And then Willie had a breakaway later in the period as well. Is it just me or are the Leafs just terrible on breakaways this year? It's it's brutal, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, go down man. the list. And Mikheyev's not even playing right now. So imagine yeah, when Mikheyev yeah. comes back in the lineup. Bruno, That's a you know guaranteed one missed breakaway a game. I literally forgot about Ilya Mikheyev. <laughs> like, it's like the, the, the way the team's playing. But, man, that, that's a talking point on its own. Where does he fit in this lineup right now? Wow. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because he's a good player. And he was making a case to be in the top six. I mean, obviously, now the yeah. top six seems pretty solidified at the moment. but So I'm sure he's going to start further down the lineup. But that's an interesting piece to bring into the, into the equation now that we're 20 games into the season. But yeah, man, I mean, the Leafs, they miss a ton of breakaways. Like, it, it drives me nuts because, listen, like, the game was already in control. It's four to one. But when you got a breakaway, when you have a grade A scoring chance like that, I'd like to see a few more of those chances actually go in the back of the net. Yeah, I, th- I think the typical stat in the NHL for breakaways and penalty shots is like one out of three. There's no way the Leafs are one out no, of three. The Leafs are probably, they, they, there's no way they're operating at higher than like 10%. Yeah, no, like, like I'm trying to like remember a breakaway goal <laughs> to be honest. Did, was it Cam for Kasha who got one like in one of the first one of the early games? But yeah, no, there hasn't been many. But uh, here we are complaining with the Leafs um, up four to one. And in the third period, Joseph Wall, funny, because like I said, I was nervous after that first goal thinking like, uh, is this going to be a bad night? He made an absolutely crazy save sliding to his right to put down the pad and keep the Leafs up by three. And he kept going. He made some really good saves in that period to uh, shut it down. So game finishes four to one final shot count. So the Leafs are not perfect. San Jose outshoots the Leafs 35, 33, but money puck had the Leafs winning this game 60% of the time based on uh, 500 simulations. So to say what you want about the shots. You never want to be outshot, but the underlying numbers say that the Leafs controlled the play. Yeah, it was another it was another nice performance across the board. Like I mentioned earlier, four goals from four different players. This was their sixth consecutive win on the road. They obviously pushed that to seven, tying the franchise record in the Ducks game on Sunday night. But Laporte, my favorite quote from this game, because as you know, I am a nerd for these post-game quotes oh yes wayne simmons okay listen to this one from wayne simmons he said the amount of skill we have on this team it's almost harder to practice than it is playing games sometimes yeah i saw that he said that after the game and i was like wow Mm. that if that doesn't show you the culture that sheldon keith and this coaching staff is creating right now then I don't know what does because these guys are practicing hard. Like we talked about going back to the Kings game where they showed the sound bites with Matthews and Tavares and Spezza. They're having fun. They're a tight knit group. I mean, everything that I mean, you can't complain about anything right now when it comes to this team. And even it's so weird, Bruno, Bruno, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking about our podcast. I'm like, we're going to get kind of boring soon. And people are like, ah, you guys are already boring, but 
Yeah. Like you, you kind of want these hot takes or emotion or a passion. It, it, it just compliments. But to be fair, in the back of our mind, we're all scared shitless that this is going to come to a crashing halt in the playoffs, but we're going to enjoy it in the meantime. So yeah, it feels weird, man. It's a weird spot for Leafs fans. It really is. Yeah. And if you're that person out there being like, well, you know, I don't care. It comes <laughs> down to the voice, playoffs, right? right? Like, listen, you're missing out on what's happening right now because I don't think I've ever seen the Leafs in my lifetime, at least play this well defensively. No, I mean, they no. are on an absolute tear right now, defensively right now, second in the NHL in goals against per game. Like I said, first in goals against per game over this 14 and two stretch. And then you have Joseph wall, who a few podcasts ago, Lapore, I was voicing my concerns like, Oh my God, this dude has like an eight eighty-eight save percentage yeah. in 50 yeah. American league hockey games. You know, there's a reason he's the fourth string goalie in the organization. And he completely shut me up because right mm. now, Joseph Wall, 3-0 and with a 1-6-7 goals against and a 9-39 save percentage. Like, literally, it almost doesn't matter who's in net, you know, who's playing with who, who's getting shuffled down to the third and fourth line, who's playing on, in the top six. This team is just on fire right now. And I don't yeah. even think we ever saw them get to this level as good as they were last year, winning the Canadian division. I don't think we ever saw them play this well. Yeah, I'm going to draw my classic line when I say like, I hate to be overly simplistic, but on the wall topic, and of course it ties into Jack Campbell, I feel like the team as well has just been like getting the save. And it's not a matter of like a five-star sliding, diving, save to just rob someone. But that just that solid save when you're up by one or up by two to keep your team in the lead or keep your team comfortable. And I will say it, and like, I hate to shit on him. He's having a great year, but I felt like Freddie let us down with that often. Whereas like, not like a terrible goal would beat him, but just be like, oh, like that Fred, deflating like, moment, a, a deflating moment. Like, just like, give us like, one save. Yeah. You couldn't come up, come up big now where I feel like we're getting that from Campbell and wall. Like again, like, like wall makes those saves at the end of the first period, those big saves. I mean, one of those goes in the game's completely different. And then you can always look back at games and picks and pick and choose certain moments. But the kids look good. And I, I think it's like kind of like an under a topic that's not getting enough attention in my, and everyone's talking about how great Jack Campbell's been, but I think that moment of like, they're up by two, there's a decent save made or like a by one save or a save early. And again, not crazy saves, just something that's like keeping us confident. Right. It's a great point, Lapore, because yeah, I think back to Freddie Anderson, even some of his moments in the playoffs. And to be yeah. fair, even Jack Campbell had a moment like that in the playoffs in game seven when he let in that weak goal from Brendan Gallagher. Disgusting. But it just seems like right now, specifically during this 14 and two run, they are getting every big save in every big moment exactly when the team needs it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we're going to see some, some regression. Jack Campbell right now has. A 946 save percentage. I didn't even like, know it was that high. That's like, that's insane. not going to continue. Like, that's just insane. He's playing out of his mind. He's he's playing himself onto Team USA at this point, where as before the season, I don't think anyone thought he was going to make the American Olympic team. But mm -hmm. is, is he really going to continue here with a 946 save percentage? How many games has he played, Bruno? So he is... 12 4 and 1. So he's played 17, 17 games, games and has a 946. Like even for 17 games, 946 has got to be like I know like it's historically good, but like historically good. Yeah, like that's it's on a five game sample size or it's 17 games. Like 
So yeah, at some point, man. there's probably going to be a stretch here where the Leafs aren't getting every save like we're seeing now. But you ride the hot streak when you yeah. can, right? No one's going to so, complain. Some, something I've always wondered, and this is like a topic totally out of left field, is like you hear about these advanced stats guys and these guys that follow the metrics. And like here we are talking about Campbell, how there's going to be some regression because the numbers based on like historical data of the sport don't make sense. Is there that thing in the mind of like the GM or whoever runs the stuff that like, you hope it happens just like in one small span. Like, for example, like we talk about a save percentage. Are you hoping there's a game where, okay, the Leafs lose and Campbell gets beaten for like five goals on 22 shots? Like just because it, it now it'll, that evens it out, but it's just one game. Like I've always kind of wondered that if they just don't hope it's like gradual, like you don't want them over 10 games having like an 8-5-0 or 9 save percentage. But if there's just one game where he's pathetic, yeah, it's one game. You, you know what I mean? Like, I've always yeah, had think, that in the back of I my mind. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. You'd rather have one blow-up game where everything goes wrong instead of, like, a steady decline where yeah. you're going, you know, over a two- to three-week stretch where your goalie's given up three or more goals almost every single night. Yeah, like, on the flip side, like, scoringly, we talked about earlier in the season how certain guys' shooting percentages – uh, were terrible and like didn't make sense. They'll use Matthews as an example. You don't want him to have a game where he gets like four goals on five shots because it all happens in one game. You should want it to be steady. Oh, you want it to be steady over a long, longer period of time to even it out. But I mean, stuff you can't really control. But I've always just kind of wondered if like these advanced stats departments, like that's what they're hoping for. It's something they can't control and just something they, they really hope to see when their teams jump on the ice. Yeah, I think that's what all Leaf fans are hoping from Campbell at this point. It's like, sure, we, we will totally forgive you if you have a bad game and you allow five or six goals. Just don't make it a trend. Bounce right back and be the Jack Campbell that we've seen now over the last two seasons. Yeah. Lapore, time to move on now to the third game of the week against the Anaheim Ducks. The Leafs getting the California sweep, beating the Ducks 5-1 to one. Andre Kasha, this is something to monitor, missing his second straight game with an upper body injury like I mentioned earlier. Uh, we saw Kyle Clifford make his 2021 Leafs debut after yeah. he was acquired via trade from the St. Louis Blues on November 16th. And uh, yes, Jason Spezza, our boy, like I also mentioned a little bit earlier, playing his 1200th game in the National Hockey League. The Lepore man, another buzzsaw performance from the Leafs. And I know they gave up, uh, you know, quite a few shots in this game. Campbell had to make 39 saves, but it just never seemed like this game was in doubt. Yeah, no, you said it. Um, early on, though, man, Zegras absolutely ruined TJ Brody in a one-on-one -on -one situation. He's so sick, Trevor. Oh, Trevor my God. Zegris. Like, everyone questioned this kid because of his ego and his attitude coming in, but shit like there there's some talent there it's just a guy like brody like such a steady defenseman to make him look like that but fortunately for the leafs he wasn't able to uh put the puck in the net to be honest like the leafs had a bad period like they didn't really create any scoring chances and they were outshot 14 to 10 so like that doesn't happen very often like them being outshot in a period let alone them being outshot by almost a 50 percent margin um in the second though it was uh the hero austin matthews with a tip off uh, a Brody shot, who I guess was trying to make up for uh, how he looked against Zegras in the first. So uh, Leafs go up one nothing about midway through the period. And then there was a great goal. Muzzin made a long pass, a long pass to, uh, to Marner, who slid it over to Michael Bunting, who I saw the Twitter, the Leafs Twitter account now calls him Mikey B. That's, that's his cute Is that a thing? Mikey B. I guess B. it's a I thing now. I guess it's a thing, yeah. 
So easiest goal he'll ever score to make it two nothing. And then 13 seconds into the third period, Kerfoot um, took a, took a pass in front of the net and was able to uh, to finish her off to make it uh, three nothing. Like I said, Lindholm bang one in to make it three to one. And kind of like how you touched on earlier about like the goalies making saves and being nervous or whatever. I will say it earlier in earlier days as a Leaf fan, even like going back to like last year, two years ago, like recent times, the Babcock era, that goal would have scared the shit out of me. Like three, nothing up on the road. You're feeling comfortable. You get beat. And now you're like, shit, now it's a two goal game. They're going to throw everything at us and you'd be on pins and needles. Right. I wasn't nervous. Like they, they scored that goal. And I was like, Hey, hold on. you're like, whatever, whatever. this team's going to shut it down. Yeah. We've, we've locked it down. Um, so yeah, to the point of uh, the game being over and the leaf shutting it down, uh, Kerfoot and Willie, uh, had a two on O and Kerfoot being the good guy. He is again, my wife's favorite player slides it over to Willie for the easy goal four to one. And then Simmons, just to say up yours to the Anaheim mighty ducks bangs in a goal as the ducks were kind of standing around at the end of the game, it came off an angle shot. So the game finishes 5-1 in favor of your Toronto Maple Leafs. Outshot, though. You ready for this one, Bruno? They were outshot 39-31. You touched on it earlier, but man, emphasize that, everyone. Like 39-31. We haven't seen that a lot That's this rare. at all. Rare. But as I always refer to, Money Puck had the Leafs winning this game 63% of the time. I will say, like, here we are. we got to find some negatives. So here are the Leafs, California road trip, win all three games. We've been pumping their tires about their defensive play. Their shots against is like near the top in the NHL. They're scoring chances against near the top of the NHL. But in these three games, 39 shots allowed against the Ducks, 35 allowed against San Jose, and 32 allowed against the Kings. So over 30 every time. Like, it's not terrible. We're we're not getting into like the 40s or whatever. But if you're going to point to one thing that like yeah hopefully we don't see more of that like i i'd probably say that yeah that's totally fair because that's definitely more than usual the leafs have been sitting on average giving up under 30 shots a game even going back to last season Mm -hmm. Um, i actually have the number right here from last season lapore they finished seventh i lied fifth in shots against per game last season they only gave up 27.8 shots against last season this year because of this recent three-game stretch where they gave up 30-plus shots every game on the California road trip. They're 11th right now in shots against per game at 30.4. So mm. it definitely inflated their their total a little bit. So I agree. I that If there's one thing you want to nitpick, maybe they gave up um, too many shots. Now, in terms of the high-danger looks and scoring chances, might have to take a look at natural stat trick for that. But, you know, when you look at the scoreboard, you have a 6-2 win over the Kings, a 4-1 win over the Sharks, and then a 5-1 win over the Ducks. So it seems like none of that mattered at all. Imagine someone showing you that 10 years ago. Crazy. Like the Phaneuf, Kessel, Lupul, Leafs going into California and just steamrolling through. <laughs> that would have felt like winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, my that God. That team sweeping man. those if California that team got, teams a decade If that ago. team got like two or three points, it would have felt like winning the Stanley Cup. But for most teams, to be fair, back then, like with that juggernaut, like trifecta that California had at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah it was a buzzsaw going through there. Lapore, one big talking point from this game 
on the TSN broadcast. Yes. Second intermission, Gord Miller asked a question to Austin Matthews, and he said, you know, not this isn't word for word. I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, you know, there was talk earlier that you're not scoring a lot of goals at five on five. You know, how do you feel about that, Austin? Because now he's obviously turned it around over the last little bit, producing more at five on five. And Matthews, his shooting percentage at five on five still isn't anywhere close to his career average, but he obviously has been better recently. And Matthews just said, you know, he kind of had a little chuckle and he's like, I don't really care what you guys say in the media. Like it it basically means nothing to me. I'm just going to continue being Austin Matthews. And I want to hear your take first on, on those comments from Matthews. Um, so that's always the typical comment, like from the athlete saying like, Oh, I don't read the paper. I don't listen to the media. It doesn't bother me. But the fact of the matter is these guys are human. So I don't believe that it doesn't get to them. Like I really and truly don't. I've talked to certain people, um, who are in hockey who like have pointed to players and say like, they just can't handle it. Like they don't handle criticism. Well, I believe Matthews like, and again, like I'm maybe I'm not, I'm not like uh, some sort of like body language expert, but just based on like how he carries himself, his personality, how he speaks, like how he responded to the question. I believe him like that. Like he really doesn't give a shit. Like if, if you know, he goes a few games out of goal and people are questioning him because he's confident, call him cocky or arrogant. <laughs> like it, it is what it is, but the whole thing about like, Oh, I believe in my ability. Like I really and truly think he believes in his ability and it doesn't phase him. And like, I think that's, what's different here about this current team. I, I just touched on like the Kessel loophole Fanuf Leafs. I look around this team and like people would bring up Marner and what happened over the summer and how he reacted and how the story or how were the, how it was reported, how we reacted, but you need a certain demeanor. You need a certain personality and I will say it to survive playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You really do. And I'm sure it's the same places like Montreal or other Canadian markets, but playing in certain markets is different and you need to be built a certain way. And I'm sure the management staff of all these teams, they evaluate, evaluate these things before they make deals, before they draft kids. So I think that's, that is something that kind of exists on this team. Like, oh, like William Nylander, like, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like, he like, doesn't like, care one bit. Oh my god, he, he like, couldn't he care be- less what any troll on social media is saying. That anyone in the media is saying. He's just like, I'm William Nylander. My hair is amazing. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Everyone. Yeah, I'm doing whatever I want. And even like Tavares, like I think he's vet enough that like he knows the game. He wouldn't take it too seriously. Austin Matthews is too cool for school. Like, and again, say it because he's arrogant or cocky. It doesn't matter if it doesn't bother him or doesn't bother him. And then even say like a guy like Riley, he came into this market at 18 years old. He's not phased. Like he can say whatever you want. Like it's not going to bother him. Like he just cares about himself and how the team's doing. Um, it wasn't the most ideal comment from Matthews. Like I think he could have, his verbiage could have been a little better. I don't think he worded it the best. I think he could have worded it a little better to uh to miller who quickly said he loved the answer from uh from matthews but he was honest and we're constantly shitting on the guys in the national hockey league for being boring we wish they'd be more like the nba and the nfl athletes where there's always takes and excitement things to talk about so i'm okay with it i'm okay with it like good for him for saying what's on his mind 
Yeah, I completely agree with you, Lapore. And I know it's not the best for entertainment purposes when me and Lapore agree all the time, but you said it, man, about Austin Matthews. This guy doesn't care one bit. Mm. Like he knows that since the moment he entered the National Hockey League, he's been arguably the best goal scorer in the league. If you still want to put Ovechkin ahead of him, by all means, go ahead and do that. But yeah, not not bad that guy. eh? It's like the dude is like, 26 again the numbers he's putting up this season insane but yeah austin matthews he's right up there with ovechkin they're they've essentially been the two best goal scorers in the league over the last six years he knows how talented he is he knows he's getting a ton of looks and he knows that the puck is eventually going to start going in at a higher rate than it is at the moment Mm -hmm. and yeah i i thought i agree with you i thought that he could have had better verbiage just the way that he worded it to gord miller you know, if he started off, I believe, saying, like, no offense, but yeah, I don't care yeah. what any of you guys think. Yeah, and that's kind of the age and the immaturity, maybe. But Exactly, but I do like how Matthews has come out of his shell. Mm-hmm. Because you go back to when he first came into the league and Lou Lamorello was the GM. Didn't he have that rule where no rookies were allowed to talk to the media yeah. after the game? There was yeah, some weird... Lou, I mean, Lou Lamorello has all kinds of bizarre rules. Like, you know, you can't have facial hair and things like that. But... You know, Matthews, he's really come out of his shell over the last little while. You know, even going back to the offseason, he's hanging out with Justin Bieber. You see him front row at the Mets game. You know, he's he's all over social media. Like, he's obviously, like, he's he's a fashionista, right? Like, the dude loves his fashion, and he, yeah. he just the no, he the November care. campaign was The November campaign was amazing with his skates and stick and all that, just, like, getting him out there and... Exactly. So he he strikes me as a guy that just doesn't care at all about what anyone has to say, specifically on social media. And it could be could be a very rough place when you go into that comment section on social media and you see what some of the people are saying. You know, it it takes a thick skin. I I don't think a lot of people realize maybe what some of these athletes go through. I'm even saying that me just posted a video on TikTok or I was posting a YouTube video. Sometimes you see some of the comments that are made. Imagine what some of these athletes are seeing on a daily basis. But with Austin Matthews, it seems like he's just blocking it all out. He's doing his thing. He knows he's awesome. And he's just going to let his play do the talking. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Lapore. Shall we move on to some other Canadian teams? It's always fun to talk about other Canadian teams, Bruno. Let's do it. All right. So massive news. Within the Montreal Canadiens. You're already smiling. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I am grinning. What happened? I, what, I haven't heard anything. What happened, Bruno? Oh, the Montreal Canadiens. They were just in the Stanley Cup final four and a half months ago. But massive news dropped this weekend. The Montreal Canadiens fired general manager Mark Bergevin, assistant GM Trevor Timmons, and Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications, Paul Wilson. One day before this news, Assistant GM Scott Mellenby resigned after he was told reportedly by Habs owner Jeff Molson that he was out of the running for the, the, the general manager job or just an elevated role in the organization. Drama. So when Mellenby, when Mellenby found out he, was, he wasn't in the running, he said, you know what, screw it, I'm out of here. So... The entire front office essentially is is gone at this point. Yeah, Like I said, four and a half months removed from playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. The Montreal Canadiens right now, Lapore, they are 
15 and two through their first 23 games. They sit 30th in the NHL standings in terms of points percentage. It is a complete disaster. So let's turn it over to you first and get your take on this just disaster of a situation in Montreal. To me, the whole thing with Bergevin is that it's to me, it's not even a story like this guy getting fired. This guy was let off the hook the last two years because there wasn't a full season. This team did not put up records over the last two seasons good enough to make the playoffs. And going back, so like this is like the complete scope of Bergevin's time in Montreal. So his first season as GM was 12-13, okay? And I think we would all say that a GM's first couple years are kind of off because it's not their team. They're trying to impose their style of players, their coach, their style. So not really fair to judge the first couple years after a GM is named. But let's fast forward. So like I said, 12-13 was his first year. 16-17, the Montreal Canadiens have a great regular season, finish top of the division, but lose in the first round to the New York Rangers. I believe it was in six. So it's yes. pretty disappointing playoff run for the uh, – a pretty dis- uh, disappointing showing for Montreal in the playoffs that year. So then moving forward, 17-18, Montreal misses the playoffs, 29-40-13, and 18-19. They actually had a pretty good season, 44-30-8, and but missed the playoffs, Okay. The year after that, 1920, uh, when the season got uh, got cut, 31, 31, and 9. And the famous thing was they were 24th, right? They got in as the 24th seed. They were uh, invited to the return invited. to play format in the bubble as the 24th yeah. seed. So, And then 2021, last year, 24, 21, and 11. And like you touched on, this year, they're 6, 15, and 2. Okay? So Mark Bergevin, his team... And now we are a full, we're like eight years after he was named GM. This team hasn't put up a record good enough to make the playoffs in the last five seasons. So what could, if you're him looking at, like, at that table, like what could he possibly say? It's not a case where he's built this team and things haven't gone. No, no, no. This is the last five years. And the year before that, you went out in the first round. So like he, to me, he's got no leg to stand on. And you want, you want to get ready to laugh? Remember how we made the joke? We were joking, was it last week or two weeks ago, about the GM of the year award oh, and how like Lamorello uh, got it to get it twice and how like fucking ridiculous it is that, that he was getting it. Bergevin, 13, 14, and 2021, 20, second. He came second in voting for that award. So last year, so last year, this Unbelievable. guy, last year, this guy who again hasn't built a team good enough to make the playoffs in five seasons was named as the set was announced as what whoever does the voting for that one thought is the second best general manager in the national hockey league. It's horrible. Like horrible. It's embarrassing. You said it, Lepore, this team has not made the playoffs in an 82 game season in a full 82 game season since 2016, 2017. Yeah. I couldn't have said it any better myself. What leg does he have to stand on Mm -hmm. that? They had, a magical run to the Stanley cup final last year. But what has your team done the last five years? They've been bad. I'll I'll throw in and you've had Carey price. And Shea Weber. Yeah. But I I mean, price the way like he, this guy came into this role. I have a goalie. Yeah. You have, you have, who's widely considered the best goalie in the NHL. Yeah, and even to do with like the play, if someone pointed to the playoff run last year, it's like, well, it was because of your goalie. <laughs> like, let's call us, let's call a spade a spade, right? So, 
Anyways, I don't even think it's really a talking point. I think Montreal Canadiens fans should be ecstatic right now. I don't think he's done a, I, I don't think he did a good job. I really don't. I think the Anderson deal is a shit deal. As much as he's a decent player, he gave him too much term. To me, the, the Jake Allen deal didn't make sense. I'm sorry. Like people, the whole thing was like, oh, like you're reinforcing a strength on the team and then you're taking ease off of Carey Price. But the fact of the matter is now you've too much spent on goaltending. And if at the end of the day, you want Price to play, you want Price to be the man. So like, I'll, I'll even say it in the playoffs last year against Tampa Bay, could the Montreal Canadiens not have used, say, another good player that they could have got with the money they gave Jake Allen? So like, I understand why they did it, but like, I didn't think it was a good move. I mean, the Toffoli deal was a good signing, but if I'm a Montreal fan, like I said, I'm happy because it's been five years of a team not good enough to make the playoffs in a full season. And this guy got let off the hook. Like, we'll even say it, Bruno. Like, like, let's say it to make fun of ourselves. If the Leafs close out Montreal last year. He's immediately fired. What do you think I was going to say? So like Galchenyuk, instead of firing it across the blue line in game five, throws it on net. It gets, it goes off a Montreal player and in, right? Montreal is out in five after losing to uh, a Leafs team that didn't have John Tavares. Is Burge Van gone? He's done. I think think he's he's done. done. I think he bought himself the first, whatever it's been, 23 games for the Habs. He bought himself a quarter of the season for the simple fact that he made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. Yeah, I think it's really as simple as that because there's no way, I don't think at least, that they would have brought him back if they go out in the first round to a Leafs team that was without John Tavares for all but, what, two and a half minutes yeah. of ice time in that first game. So I, I think Mark Bergevin, yeah, I mean, w- what else can you say? He, he hasn't been good. He hasn't built a team that can sustain any sort of, of success. And even going back to you know, some of the other moves he made. You mentioned Tyler Toffoli. So last year, Tyler Toffoli, he had 28 goals Lit in 56 games. Yeah. So he essentially scored at like a 40-goal clip. This year, Tyler Toffoli, he's back to career Tyler Toffoli. He's got mm-hmm. five goals in 23 games. He's scoring at an 18-goal pace. I know Tyler Toffoli's a multiple-time 20-goal scorer. He has one 30-goal season. Oh, he's a good player. Yeah, no, he's a good player. But when when guys like that are kind of coming down to their career averages, Nick Suzuki, you know, despite showing signs of brilliance over the last two playoffs, he hasn't been good. Four goals in 23 games. He's only got 15 points. Like you said, Josh Anderson has been a complete disappointment. Christian Dvorak, who, you know, after they lost Jesperi Kotkaniemi to Carolina – Bergevin's like, nope, don't worry. I got this covered. I'm going to trade a couple picks and get Christian Dvorak. We're going to be just fine. Uh, Christian Dvorak has not been good. He has four goals and 11 points in 23 games. And I believe his career high in points is 37. So he's on pay. Yeah, he's studying for the, <laughs> he's so part Habs for the fans course. We're all excited being like, you know, we got a great young center remembering his days on the London Knights with Mitch Marner and Matthew Kachuk. I think we can safely say at this point, you know, the Christian Dvorak has been kind of a disappointment in the NHL. Like there's really no other way to say that. Right. So you just go down the list, disappointment after disappointment, Brendan Gallagher, who at one point Lepore was one of the best five on five goal scorers in the NHL. You know, I would see stats all the time from the analytics guy showing how good Gallagher was at five on five showing all this. It always caught me off guard. 
you know, we'll see the names. Then I like, you know, like Ovechkin, Matt, and then like, it's Crosby Gallagher. What? Yeah. It always Gallagher. I mean, this dude's falling off a cliff last year in the playoffs. He was a disaster. Didn't have a good regular season. He has four goals as well in 22 games and 10 points. So when you're not scoring, when you're not getting good goaltending, because Jake Allen has not been good this season with Carey Price out of the lineup. Obviously, there's been no Shea Weber, no Joel Edmondson. And then Jeff Petrie, who we've talked about before, who yeah, emerged as a member of the Habs as one of the better defensemen in the league. Laporte, he's got two points in 23 games. That, that, that one to me is like blasphemous. Like, I don't understand that one at all. Like, of all the other ones, I think it's just more guys coming down to reality. But with Petrie, it's like, I'm confused. Like I'm genuinely confused with, yeah. with what, what's going on there. That's bizarre. Cause with all the, the ice time he gets, he plays in, you know, he plays on the power play. He plays in like any situation, really. I mean, he's a really solid all around defenseman. And for him to not have a goal and have two points in 23 games, it's, it's a stone disaster. You, you, you mentioned Gallagher. So what was, what was the deal Gallagher got? Was it like I six think it years? Was, times? It was a six year deal here. Let me like look five and a half million right. or something. So like we're just like going over deals. I think it was like six years. Let me see here. Lapore looking at their cap sheet. So Brendan Gallagher, he signed a six year, $39 million extension. So that's 5.5. Yeah. 6.5. Sorry. 6.5. My bad. 6.5. He's on the books. This is the first year of his extension. I know. Yeah. Way to go. Oh Mark. my goodness. He's on the books until, tw- until 26, 27. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? I know, man. Like him and and Anderson too. It's like a seven year deal. Like, and you have the pr- price on the books. Like, it's a, a shit job. Let's say it. Burge fan, like Hobbs fans, should be ecstatic right now. And who knows? Like, maybe the case on the side of the Molsons was like, just let him ride out his contract, and it'll give it. Well, it buys us time to find someone or decide what we're gonna do. But they just saw how the season started, and they were like, enough's enough. Like, let's end this now and try to push in that new culture as soon as we can. Yeah. I think we can both agree. It was the right call. It was the right time. The results speak for themselves. When you haven't made the playoffs in a full 82 game season since 2017. I mean, good night. It's as simple as that. You're gone. man. Lepore, shall we move on to our next topic and our last topic of today's show? Let's do it. Let's do it. So before we close out this podcast, Let's have a conversation about the Ottawa Senators. It was a very eventful week. Always fun in the nation's capital. For the Ottawa Senators. So first, Matt Murray. Goaltender Matt Murray, who is signed for four years at six and a quarter million per season. Yeah. Who's in the second year of that deal was placed on waivers Saturday. He has since cleared waivers. And I believe... Um, they have now sent him down to Belleville. I think that was the last note that I saw on that. Or I didn't even see that. So okay. it's, uh, I mean, it's it's a complete mess. So you have the Matt Murray situation, who was supposed to be their number one goalie. He wins two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He has been a disaster, not only with the Ottawa Senators, but even going back over the last, you know, three, four seasons, he has not been good. And then on top of that, Lepore, Brady Kachuk, Saturday night, Ottawa taking on the LA Kings. <laughs> oh, he gets hockey. bitten by yeah. Brendan Lemieux. He yeah. bit Brady Kachuk, and Brady Kachuk had I what I think is a legendary post. Oh, rant. amazing. Amazing. Legendary. We were talking about entertainment before with Lemieux Matthews. Gutless, was awesome. Calling yeah. him a brickhead. Go read the quote. You'll you can find it on Twitter 
I mean, he just let loose on Brendan Lemieux for biting him in that game. So Lepore, I mean, you're there on the ground in Ottawa. Give me your, your take on this, on this, the situation with the Ottawa senators right now. Yeah, it's dark. One thing I will say about the Murray thing. See, I guess they had to put him through waivers if the intention was to send him down because like, that's the rule, but I still question the move. Like, like, what do you think, Bruno? Like, what does this really do? Cause like, you know, you know, nobody's going to claim him. Like, you know, no one's going to claim him. So what does this really do beyond just embarrassing him? And like, you have, you haven't locked in for another two and a half years. So like, I, I didn't like the move like on the part of Dorian to do that to him. And actually something similar a few years ago, they did the same thing with Zach Smith. They put, they put him through waivers. And again, they knew no one was going to claim him. And apparently like it kind of ruffled the locker room a little bit. Cause Zach Smith was really liked. So like the whole idea of like, Hey, you fucking embarrassed this guy. Like, like, why'd you do that? So like with Murray, I mean, like we talked before about like positive reinforcement and how it's being proven that that works. Embarrassing him, putting a two times Stanley cup champion in like in recent years in the minors. He can't be happy, man. And again, it's it's not the goal of the Ottawa Senators to make all their players happy and it's all rainbows and gold and all that stuff. But I don't know. I I think maybe it could have have been handled a little differently. And now some stuff's coming out on the side of Murray, on Murray's camp, that they're not very happy with how things have shaken down. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him because he's there. He is there. Like, no one's taking that contract. Like, no one's going to trade for Murray. So I don't know. And even a buyout, like I'd like to see the numbers on cap friendly, like if they were to buy him out and like, I don't know if that's something Melnick would be willing to do, but not a good look. I mean, the thing with Kachuk is just like only in hockey does like someone's hand get bitten. And then like the, the quotes were amazing and it, it, hockey is so hilarious. And like, again, this is not something that is typical, like a player's hand getting bitten and bleeding everywhere. But I remember Colin Cohert said, like, he had this list of, like, the top 10 most ridiculous things in sports. And, like, if aliens invaded and watched the different sports we play, like, what would their opinions be and what would they think? And he said, one of the ones he had on the list was fighting in hockey. Okay. And at first I was like, huh? Like, like why? But then he pointed out, he's like, imagine we were watching a basketball game and Kevin Durant and LeBron James just like stopped everything and went toe to toe and fought and everyone just let it go. It's like, yeah. Everyone's just like, cheering them on. Yeah, come on, like, LeBron. This is totally normal. Yeah, and the bench is like banging. <laughs> the bench is like banging and cheering them on. Hockey is hilarious. And again, this is not typical. It's just that like, it's not that crazy. Like had you told me, oh, someone was going to get bit tonight in a scrum, like during a face wash, I've been like, oh, it's happened before. It's just funny. This sport we love sometimes with like what it shows us and the culture of it. Just absolute craziness. But yeah, going yeah. back to the, the Matt Murray situation, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's, it's a good look at all because you're stuck with this guy, right? At the end of the day, it's like you said, oh. you're, you're basically praying I don't know, give, give it, what, a 1% chance that someone was actually going to claim that contract on waivers? So you're going into it essentially knowing that it's almost a certainty that he's going to pass through waivers and you're still going to have him on your hands. But it's like, this is the guy that you committed to. You gave him a four-year deal. You're giving him six and a quarter million. And I know it hasn't been good. It hasn't worked out at all. He hasn't been good. The team hasn't been good. 
but to send him down to the minors, you know, it's not like they're getting great goaltending from anybody else before. That's the thing right now. It's not like they're getting good play really from anybody else. Like I'm looking right now at their, at their goalie stats. Anton Forsberg right now. I think they've been okay. I think Forsberg also have been okay. Maybe Forsberg right now. He's got a four, four, four goals against average and an eight eighty three save percentage. 883. 883. I know it's that bad. So it's just not good across the board for the Ottawa Senators right now. And yeah, to send Matt Murray down, you're just going to piss him off even more. He's already probably in a bad headspace just in terms of his confidence level. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at some of their other goalie stats real quick. Yeah, Gustafson. Gustafson's kind of like the future. And I think, ironically enough, he came from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Philip Gustafson, he's got the best numbers right now, and they're still not very good. He's got a 907 save percentage and a 3.37 goals against. Yeah, their D is so, like, I'll say it. Like, I don't even make sense. Like, usually you kind of hesitate to say something really negative about a team because, like, you prepare to get, like, all this shit thrown out you in the comments. Their D sucks. It's like bad. it's bad. Like Met Day. Like I don't know what they were thinking with like the uh, the Dolzato contract. It's just their D is bad. Like the, the brand Branstrom keeps getting put in and out of the lineup. Not good. But I mean, to be fair, like the Sens have had a lot of bad luck as well. I mean, like COVID ripped through the team, losing the number two center Shane Pinto. Like that sucks. Like Batherson now just so like I don't think it'd be like a complete turnaround how 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 these things have gone and like maybe it would put them in the right direction. But I don't think it's as bad as the standings are. Like, I don't think Ottawa was the worst team in the league. Like, like I really don't feel, I really feel that's not that, uh, I really feel yeah, that's the case. Because right now, Lapore, based on points percentage, the Coyotes have passed them. The yeah. Senators are dead last, 32nd in the league in points percentage. They're dead last in goals against per game, allowing 3.84 goals per game. They're allowing almost four goals a game. What would you say, like, what would you put as, like, the over-under on, like... I, I don't think anyone would blame DJ Smith, but it's that whole thing of, like, well, at some point, you have to make a change. So, And this is something we've talked about on previous shows with the, the Sens, right? It's like, they kind of have their team just based on the money that they've already dished out. They've now committed to Kachuk. They got to sign Norris. They've already signed Batherson. They're going to sign Stutzla. Like at some point, this team has to start winning games and we have to start seeing some results here or else the first place that they're going to look, you would think, would be DJ Smith. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, like if you had to, and like we'll end with this, like the briefcase of a million dollars, you get it if you get the question right. Who will be out of the Ottawa Senators first, Smith or Dorian? That's tough. I, I think it would probably be Smith. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, he still hasn't had that much time yeah. to actually put his stamp on this team. And I know Sens fans are frustrated and probably don't want to hear that, but he probably gets, a, I think both of them get a little bit more time mm. because, you know, I don't think there's been too many people like bashing the moves that Pierre Dorian has made. Sure. The Matt Murray deal sucks right now, but like he gave Kachuk a nice contract, even the Drake Batherson contract who has been solid this year. So I think they, I think everyone gets a little bit more time, but if I would have to pick one, I think DJ Smith will probably be the fall guy first in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have an, I think it's one of those cases where like, if you ask me who I, who I think should get the ax, I would say Dorian, 
but it's the typical NHL thing where it's like the coach is going to go first. Exactly. The coach is always the first scapegoat. Yeah. So, all right, Lapore, any final thoughts before we wrap up episode 43? No, just hopefully, uh, we see more games where we don't see our boys trail because that seems to be uh, the trend now, but things are going well in Leafland right now. And uh, I don't know about you, but there is still that little thing in me that's a little nervous that we might have a turnaround, but I'd say I'm almost fully convinced. This team has not fully convinced me yet, but I'm almost convinced that this team is different than previous seasons. Leaf fans, just enjoy the ride right now because things were in the dumps, you know, going back a month ago. It was looking really bad. And to see where this team is right now and the run they're on, it's amazing to see. And I know they've broken our hearts several times in the playoffs, but this team is playing some really good hockey. And I think it's important to be in the present and enjoy the moment. And just looking at the upcoming schedule, Leafs have a few days off after that Sunday game against the Ducks. They have the Avalanche at home on Wednesday and then a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday against the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets. So three quality opponents. What's up with the Sunday games this year? Yeah, this is three weeks in a row now. Three weeks in a row. Yeah. Sunday game for the Leafs, which is pretty odd. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for episode 43 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast. Once again, if you are a new listener and you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoy the content, it would be a big-time help if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.